As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Sunday roast, Spurs gorge on hapless Geordies. Thursday Night Live, a date for your diaries. And Freaky Friday, first team football returns to St James's Park for real. Yes, hello again. Uh, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne and I'm speaking very softly today because I'm guessing that the athletic senior writer George Colgan is in a rather delicate condition. George, how are you doing? If you could just keep the uh, keep the noise low, please. That would be that would be. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes, I, I'm slightly delicate of I'm slightly delicate of head today. It is true. It is true. True to say. And why would that be? Well, bit of a session with Arn from work <laughs> yesterday. Bit of a session. Um, All right. Which I wasn't particularly going to mention, but then um, Luke Luke Edwards, our friend, has um, detailed my shame on Twitter. Me yeah. asleep in my own front room. But um, but yeah, it was good. It was good. You had a nice day with Alan, then, did you? I had a lovely day with Alan from work. And Luke, that's that that's very much friend in inverted commas now, isn't it? Yes, for Luke. Yes, I mean very much acquaintance. <laughs> well, as long as you had a nice time, that's the main thing, George. As long as you had a nice time, uh, and of course, we're also joined by Newcastle United correspondent Chris. What? Hang on a second. What's that? Please lock the door. The door is now locked. Uh, this is all I want to talk about this week. I don't want to talk yeah. about anything else apart from this. I prefer just George. George no, 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 no. Let's just talk about Chris. No, we're past that now. Yeah. 
George, what happened? Well, I, d- I don't know if really I'm the person to tell this story. I'm not sure, you know, perhaps perhaps Chris should uh, should detail what this uh, reference is. Well, George, having snubbed me on the train, we were on the same train down to London on Sunday. George refused to see me on the train all the way down. <clears throat> so then, as, as, as you do, I went, I tried to go to, to the toilet to use the facilities on, on the train. And I got into the, it was one of the ones with the sort of you press the button and the door slides across. So I pressed the button, door slid across, <laughs> went to the toilet. And then I tried to lock and the lock was like a sort of flick switch, but the it wouldn't it wouldn't lock. None of the buttons seemed to work. So I thought, oh, maybe it's just, maybe it's just what it does. So I, uh, I, I used the facilities, washed my hands, then tried to try to try to try to get out of the toilet by pressing the buttons. Very hygienic. To, discover, to discover that I was actually locked in said lavatory on the train, um, in in the middle. I think we were half, halfway down to London. I'm not exactly sure where we were, um, but fortunately, I was I was travelling with uh, with a with, with a guy called Daryl who uh, works for LNER. I called Daryl, but Daryl did not answer my my phone call. <coughs> fortunately, I had my phone in my pocket. So instead, I was also travelling with uh, John Anderson, the former Newcastle United right back and oh. uh, BBC Newcastle. Commentator. So I called John Anderson, and as you can imagine, John Anderson was very sympathetic to my situation. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And so he told me to he told me he told me to f off and hung the phone <laughs> hung the phone up, and so I had to wait a couple of minutes until I was rescued by Daryl, who had to turn off the electrics in the in, in the carriage that I was in to then restart them to allow me to exit the toilet. So yes, I was stuck. I was stuck in the toilet. It was only for about five minutes, but I was stuck in the toilet uh, on the <sighs> LNAR train down to London, the the A twenty five train down to London on a, on Sunday. So yeah, that was that was my. I wish I'd stayed there to be honest, given what happened afterwards. But uh, yeah, that was the that was the highlight of my day. Yeah, so <laughs> I can't really complain about Luke detailing my shame on Twitter because I did the same thing with Chris on Saturday and it got one. It's, I've just looked; Absolutely, it's got one thousand three hundred yeah. likes. So I'm not really in a position. I'm not really in a position uh, to throw stones. But uh, bottom the Titans' very own Frank Spencer. Yeah, beautiful hapless Chris. What a! I was just giggling to myself all the way through Sunday. Um, oh. The thought of Chris trapped in the toilet on the train, having to ring to get released—absolutely brilliant. Yes, brilliant. Um, I did laugh like a drain when I read all of that. It's absolutely brilliant, Chris. Chris, never change. Please, never change. It, it would ruin the podcast if you did. <laughs> Thank you. I'll anyway, take that as a compliment. right. I'll take that as a backhand yes. compliment. Absolutely. Um, we'd run out of so much material if you change. If you start doing things properly, we'll be we'll be knackered. Anyway, uh, we are um, uh, trialing some new intro music uh, at the moment for the different sections on the show. So we thought we'd just give some of them a little uh, a little run out and see how they feel and see if they fit. Uh, here's new intro music candidate number one. <laughs> Very good. I'm trying to decide which of the three of you, including Ollie, are producing this. I dislike most at the moment. I want to. It's a strong competition. I want to break we. (laughs) Very good. Right then, yeah, an absolute hammering down at Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday. A bad day at the office, or let's be honest, we had our arses handed to us, didn't we, Chris? It was an absolute, uh, it was an absolute shit show, and just like old times, wasn't it? Nice little bit of, uh, <laughs> a nice little bit of familiarity there. It was indeed. It was a very odd game. First half was it was a strange, strange match, and actually for, for the first forty-five minutes, the Castle did all right. Certainly defensively, they were the frustrated Spurs. 
they were compact that stopped them from from playing between the lines and switching. There was a couple of switches of play which caught them out a little bit, but in general, they sort of reverted to Ryan Fraser was covering back. Even Sam Maximan on his occasion was, was covering back. Although there was one occasion where Sam Maximan was tracking Emerson Royale, and Emerson Royale... Uh, it looked like the ball was going to go out of play, so Alan Maximan just decided he wasn't going to follow him anymore, and then Emerson Royal was able to get the ball and cross it in. Thankfully, Newcastle cleared it. But that was that was that was during the first half when, as I say, things were going okay. Yeah. Fabian Cher steps up, scores the free kick, and at that point, you're thinking, "Oh, this has been a this has been a good, solid good start, yeah. first half." Then Newcastle switch off just before half time. Don't clear an initial corner from Son. Dan Byrne doesn't clear it. Then they don't react. To the to, 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 to the corner Alan Sam Maximan then doesn't doesn't react to the second ball and Newcastle defensively don't react to the second ball. I think it's Matt Target who gets beaten to the ball by Davis and so it's one one. But at half time you're thinking not too bad. They continue this. At that point I was thinking they might lose this two or three one, haven't given it a good go. But the second half was just abysmal. And I think it, it is the worst forty five minutes of football we've seen under Eddie Howe. It was everything that they haven't been. I mean, everything that they have been over the course of the last three months is is organised, disciplined. Every single player has had a clear idea of what they're being asked to do out on the pitch. And that game plan has been fulfilled. Defensively, they've been solid. They haven't always been brilliant defensively, but they've managed to, to find a way to do it. Whereas in that second half... It didn't work out on the pitch. The players looked confused. That they, they, they gave far too much space to Spurs, and actually Eddie Howe himself and his coaching staff tinkered probably too much. And that just and, it, and for once, it actually looked like the the messages come on the pitch were confused as well. So that yeah, that second half was just hopefully an aberration because it was abysmal. It was absolutely abysmal. I'm not sure exactly what the what the game plan was when they came back out at half time, but it almost felt George like they hit the panic button too early and they chased after the game far too soon there wasn't any need to go for it that much and, and they left wide open spaces and the one thing you can't do against Spurs is is play a high line and leave a massive gap behind you for people to run into yeah it was very very ragged I was in I was in the away end I was going down there speculatively to to possibly write about being in the away end but it wasn't uh wasn't really the day for that. Do you want to tell us about the three hours before the game, what you did, George? Well, I basically stood outside the press room, Chris, as you as you well know. Um, I, I was on waft time, so I stupidly did meet up with Chris um, when we got off the train, when, well, when he was finally released from the toilet. And um, we went for a coffee, and then I got to the stadium at the same time as Chris. Now, Chris, of course, gets everywhere ridiculously early. I mean, three hours before kickoff. And I sort of had this idea in my head that I would walk around a little bit, but there's really nowhere to... I'd forgotten that there's really nowhere to walk around at yeah. So I did walk around the stadium. But uh, yes, I spent most of my time um, standing outside standing outside uh, the stadium until until I could get in. I did have a chat with a few people, bumped into a few people, so that was kind of quite nice. Mark Allison, Run Geordie Run, who uh, listens to the podcast. Yeah, Mark, yeah. Had a nice chat with him. But anyway, I mean, it, 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 I, th- I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really weird atmosphere inside the stadium. It's partly where I was. I was right in the back row, um, sort of in the in the middle of the bend in the away seats, and I had a kind of plastic or glass screen behind me, and then further behind me it was Tottenham fans. So it was a sort of who were who didn't make any noise at all. It was a straight. It felt like a strange atmosphere. The moment the goal went in was brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. There was sort of two minutes of jubilation. It's 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 that is the worst time to concede a goal though when you when you've done that when everyone's like you know sort of flicking the V's at Spurs fans not me I should point out and like laughing and joking <laughs> and no doing it. In the and then no it? one yeah. no one can bring themselves to look behind and uh, to to look but it was just it was 
yeah, it was kind of familiar, wasn't it? It was that it was that reminder of the of the team this team has been in the recent past, and there was no redeeming feature to that second half. It was absolutely awful. It was it was horrible. Um, you know, I couldn't think of it was honking, wasn't it? it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog pops the whole lot. All the things that you've sort of you know taken as taken taken sort of for granted in the past in the past kind of couple of months. Um, you know, the the, the sort of you know whether it's the midfield, whether it's the centre halves, whether it's full, you know those real positions of strength in the team. There was just nothing there. It was like they'd never played together before. It was very, very familiar. It was, and we kind of hoped they'd come back from that trip to Dubai, Chris, with with the kind of renewed sense of positivity and optimism, and that the, there'd been a bit of team bonding done and stuff like that. But even the, the you know the, the regular starters in the team who've looked solid and have looked like they've you know they've really cemented their places in that starting eleven. Even those guys came out and didn't put a sh- didn't put a shift in, didn't didn't put a performance. And you know we're all for this winning as a team together and everyone having their photos taken and everything's happy. But they get thrashed as a team as well and. To a man, one to eleven, they were rotten, weren't they? In that second half. Yeah, I mean, when when we saw the the lineup, I was a little bit surprised that he hadn't gone that how hadn't gone similar to how he had at, at Chelsea. I thought he might have matched up uh, Spurs with their wing backs, given how they, they were gone five, yeah. gone five. But the four three three actually was was working first off. As I say, Fraser was almost drop, dropping in at points to almost make it a five. And the midfield, I think a lot of us sort of, although, although Bruno Gimresh obviously was taken out of the, the, the 11, I think a lot there was a lot of understanding about that. He travelled across, uh, halfway across the world. He played at altitude in, in Bolivia, and so he'd come back and was, was taken out of the side. And that, that th- three-man midfield, the, the, the John Joe Jojo th- three-man midfield was back together. But they didn't really click. I thought Joe Willock was decent first half. I thought he was the one player who looked like he was going to make something happen. Yeah. But Shelby's passing was all over the place. Uh, first half, he kept on giving the ball away. Joe Linton again. I didn't think it was similar at Everton. I don't know if it's this groin injury it's still affecting him, but I didn't think he was quite as 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 effective. I was going to say, I, I don't think he looks fit, Chris. No, I don't did, think he, he looks did, fully he, fit. He didn't get around the pitch as much. Sam Maximan very early on won a couple of free kicks, and and he and he thought, hmm, this is what we've been waiting to see from him, but didn't really ignite either. Chris Wood basically didn't see the ball in the first half. Fraser was anonymous as well, and so as an attacking outlet, Newcastle had a couple of chances. Willock had that half chance of the free kick, uh, obviously which they scored from, but there wasn't really that much there. But there was, there was still, there was still in the game. But second half, it was, it was completely ragged. George used that term. I think that's the best sort of word for it. I just, I just. I don't understand what had changed and how himself was interesting. He came out afterwards and he sort of said, we chased the game and played in the wrong areas too early. Yeah. And he was right. And, and Newcastle were higher up the pitch and obviously Cher gives away the ball for, for, for as I think it's a second goal and terrible yeah. defending for that. But equally, as I said, I didn't think how was changes necessarily helped that. If you want to play in the right areas of the pitch to then move, when you do move to a, a, a back three, to put John Joe Shelby as the middle centre back that early in the game strange. was very very strange, and it was interesting because actually where we were sat in the press box, Graham Jones was just behind us, and all the way through the first half he's talking constantly and not critical of the team, but sort of picking up not to us. He's not talking to us. I don't know if he's talking on his microphone or whatever he is, but he's he's talking about what's going on during the game and he's sort of saying he's sort of mm. oh Ryan as in Ryan Fraser you need to, he needs to cover back there or John Joe needs to do this. And the second half he just basically stopped talking. <laughs> I think it had just gone so badly that every the, 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 there's no words for so this. much going wrong 
that he there was no words and he he just stopped talking because it was it it was it was difficult to watch. I mean, how easily Spurs got through. There was that chance that Son missed where yeah. laid on where he's through one on one. How that ball managed to get through the entire Newcastle defense when at that point they were playing with three centre backs. I think at that point Lascelles may even been on, but it was it was a very I just thought it was a very odd half and nobody. Uh, associated with Newcastle United really served themselves particularly well during that second half. It just seemed no. so distant from everything we're used to. I'm going to slightly contradict myself here because I, th- I, I do I do agree with with Chris or you know that point about them going away and then you know then putting in a performance like that that is a concern you know that I think that is a concern for them to look quite so bad after having a couple of weeks off and um, you know training together albeit with the internationals away however the the little bit Chris has, Chris wrote a kind of very good piece after the match which is you know seeking perspective really and one thing that we do have to say we do have to point out is that that is now the end of a run of six away games in seven matches and that is you know that is yeah that is a pretty extreme run of fixtures um and in that run they've played at Tottenham at Chelsea and at West Ham, you know, so those three clubs who were who were right at the near the top of the table, and they did let themselves. I mean, they let themselves down at at, at Everton. We know that because of the circumstances, and they definitely let themselves down on Sunday. But they do now have. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that these these games coming up are easy, but they do now have three home games coming up and you know I'm sure the atmosphere is going to be is going to be brilliant and they you know they do have an opportunity to turn it around but we do have to yeah we do have to remember that perspective I think yeah we have to we have to think about how far we've come in this in this last sort of six or eight weeks the the the, the change in the mentality and the and the feeling around the club from just after Christmas when we looked for all intents and purposes dead and buried didn't we Chris we, it looked like we were done uh, and it's been such a change and such a turnaround you know uh, they've obviously worked their socks off and they've changed the way the team are playing and stuff like that um, and you know you, you can't expect to go away and get great results against some of these top top teams spell, uh, Spurs and Chelsea I thought we acquitted ourselves very well against Chelsea but maybe the Spurs game was a game too far and it, it, they really need to take stock now and think about what they're doing and and hopefully put together a run of performances against against Wolves and Palace, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think that the reason that this defeat, uh, other other than the fact that they were absolutely shambolic during the second half, I think that the, the fact that it felt like this was because of what what we've been accustomed to in the last three months. But that sort of masked what Newcastle actually were before that. They won once in the first half of the season. Once. They didn't win till the 14th match, yeah. 15th match in all competitions. And it even took Howe a long time to turn them around. And even when you go back to that nine game uh, unbeaten run, it was excellent. But a lot of those games were, were just, they're just shaded really. I mean, the, the second half against Everton, they were very good, but first half was sort of mixed. Brentford, obviously, they dominated, but they were against 10 men. But you look at the the other wins in there, Southampton, that they come, Southampton, that, that come yeah, from yeah. behind to, to, to win that one. Then um, the, the, other, the other victories were, were all sort of narrow in there. Leeds was a very, very narrow win. Villa, they weren't brilliant. Um, and they weren't they weren't great against Brighton either. But what they did was they found a way to win and they managed to get through it. And until they lost against... Chelsea, I think there was only them and, and Liverpool who were unbeaten so far in 2022. Before Sunday, Newcastle hadn't conceded more than once in a game so far in 2022. The only Premier League side to have done that. So there was so much positive in the, in the, in the fact that they have come so far. But the reality is they, they were never as good 
as a nine-game unbeaten run. They were probably overperforming at that point. And they're not as bad as they as they were in that second half against Spurs. And that's where you bring the perspective of to where they actually... Yeah, very good point. It's been the extremes in Newcastle all season, really. And we saw, we saw unfortunately, the negative extreme of that on Sunday. And it's about bouncing back now. And it was how was interesting after the game. He was, he was, he was keen not to, to sort of criticise his players. But there was also... He was asked a couple of times out whether it was a sort of wake-up call. And he said not to him. He always knew the position they're in. He's been trying to trying to stress that to his players, but he can't uh, fully influence what the players think. Players think for their own accord, and I just thought there was a sort of sense there that maybe he thinks a couple of them have let the levels drop a little bit. And he's hoping that this turns out to have been as as bad an occasion as this was. Then in a few weeks' time, they're going to look back on it and say that was that was the moment that really gave us that final push to get through to the end of the season. We also have to say that Spurs were very, very good. Second half, the were. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought they were excellent, and I, you know, I uh, I would love Newcastle to have a player like Son, who I just thought he was he oh, was so God. beautiful to watch. I mean, I actually enjoyed. He's watching astonishing, him. isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he's so direct. Yeah. He's just direct. Yeah, so direct, so quick. He glides over the turf, doesn't he? When he runs with the ball, I've never seen anyone move like that. He's so quick, but he's so agile and he just glides with the ball. He's he's a beautiful footballer. Yeah, actually. and there were kind of some moments there were there were there were a couple of moments where Newcastle had the ball and, you know, they were they were passing the ball and, you know, that's still a bit of a that's still a bit of a novelty and I enjoy that. But then when suddenly when Spurs got the ball and moved it, they were moving it so quickly it was like they were thinking three passes ahead. Yeah, they do. And, you know, Newcastle yeah, exactly as Chris said. Newcastle haven't suddenly become a top six team just because they they had that form. You know, they're they're still they're still a, a mediocre team, and um, they have got a long, long way to go before they reach Tottenham's level. That's for certain. Absolutely. Is it fair to say, George, we can put the last three games down to some sort of footballing hangover? Maybe. Well, um, if if you want to make that point, that's fine. I don't, I don't have the stamina. He didn't find that very amusing, did he? Did he, Taylor? I don't think. He, I don't think he liked that. Really, no. I don't. I don't have the stamina to. Um, I don't have the stamina to argue. With Definitely not today. You don't. Anyway, a nice little. Uh, well, not nice, but an interesting tweet from one of our owners, Medad Gadusi, who uh, before the match said "match day" to what I think is a celebration. Emojis. No feeling like it. Big smiley face. Good luck, lads. Show them what we're made of. Heart. Hashtag NUFC. Hashtag Premier League. And then after the game, bad day. <laughs> yeah, that sums it up. That sums it up. Not even a frowny face to go with it. It was a bad day. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Crystals have the smallest bladder um, known to man as well, which is um, it's it's not easy for him to steer clear of. Chris has to plan all journeys, large or small, to factor in the positioning of public lavatories. Isn't that true? Chris? It is true, and that's something I inherited from my father, who arguably has a smaller bladder than me. So that, that's yes, that's what I've inherited from him. Did you go back on the train? Did you risk it again? I did actually, yeah, but by that point uh, I, I, I knew that I had the sort of capability that someone could come and rescue me, so I did feel a bit nervous, I felt more nervous coming back actually on the on the Monday, uh, when I did, I did try to last as long as I possibly could, but I did eventually go to the toilet. <laughs> Chris, you're not the only person who's ever done this, a mate of mine was on the train once going down to London and he went to the loo and he thought he had locked the door and it was one of those big sliding doors. And he thought he had locked it, and in the middle of doing his business, the, the entire wall oh, of, the, of the cubicle slid away to unveil him to the rest of the carriage like a fucking prize on a game show. They are a bit <laughs> like that, those doors, aren't they? You never totally have the automated I never feel mechanism. safe in there. No, no. Anyway. Let's move on. So, after the relentless triumph of our uh, Twitter spaces that we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're going to go live on the Athletic app at 6pm British Summertime this Thursday, April 6th. Uh, it's a new feature, this, and we're going to give it a go for the first time. And after the Twitter spaces where Chris uh, managed to mangle uh, the entire thing, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but... It should be fun. Um, subscribers can join in. Uh, am I not going to be in charge of this one, then? Am, am I going to be left in charge of this one? Well, perilously, Chris, you and George are the ones who are allowed to let people in or out of the uh, the space to talk. So I would say we'll just leave that to George. <laughs> if if the Twitter spaces proves something, his episode at the weekend proved another. Don't leave Chris in charge of buttons, because <laughs> he just doesn't know what to do. Or himself. Or himself. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so subscribers can join in, uh, and if you follow Newcastle United on the Athletic app, you'll get a notification, and Chris and George can bring you into the conversation. And don't worry, uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can still hear it live as well. You need to look out for the link on Twitter. Um, but if you are not a subscriber, you'll only be able to listen. You won't be able to actually join in. Um, what are we uh, What are we going to be chatting about, chaps? George, have we got anything on, on, uh, on the page for that? Well, um, there's lots of things to chat about. Obviously, there's, there's recent... Um the team's recent form. We're approaching six months post takeover, so I think that feels like a bit of a, a bit of a natural conversation to have. And of course, Wolves away was the last game pre takeover. So, as we look forward to welcoming Wolves to St James's, we can sort of have a little think about uh, think about that too. So I think there's um, a few things to to have a chat about, as well as all the usual nonsense. And obviously the, the, the results of this uh, chat, this live chat that we're going to have, are going to be published as a bonus podcast on Friday uh, in time for everyone to have a little listen to that on the way to the Wolves match, maybe. Um, Chris, what, anything in particular that you want to talk about on on, uh, on Thursday? Is there anything you want to broach? Uh, Favourite types of Easter egg? Nice. 
Uh, well, I'm just yeah, good. approaching Cream that sort of time. So, and in terms of just Easter eggs, sorry, on that on that note, for those who are going to the game on Friday, the Newcastle United fans food bank uh, will be there and they are looking for part of the, it's their Easter egg drive um, for obviously children in the, who, so whose families will use will use the food bank. So if you are going to the game and are able to, to bring a couple of Easter eggs with you to drop off there, that would be wonderful. But in terms of to chat about Newcastle United and things related to the club, I think I think there's a big debate at the moment about sort of about well both about the midfield. Does Bruno mm. start on Friday? Does Bruno Gimesh come into the into the eleven? I personally would bring him into the team, and I think a lot of people would be of 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 that opinion. And the other big talking point really is up front. Chris Wood, how's he actually been since January? Twenty five million pound signing, one goal in eleven games. Eddie Howe described him on Friday as having been outstanding. For Newcastle United is, is how he described him. So, do people agree with that? Do they want to see yeah. Dwight Gale, the footballer who doesn't play football anymore, given an opportunity? Um, <laughs> or do they do they want to see Alan Sant Maximan through the middle? What do they want and how do they feel about this situation? So, yeah, plenty of things to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, and a little bit of a coincidence that we're trialling this just as Alan Robson announces his retirement from the Night Owls radio show. <laughs> have you been on there, Chris? Have you? Uh, I imagine you're the kind of person who rings into night owls. Eleven o'clock at night, nothing to do. Hello, Alan. <laughs> yeah, just have a chat about the, someone's knocked the bins over in the street or whatever. As you, as you just. That's it. Yeah. Hello, Alan. I'm calling from me toilet where I've locked myself in. <laughs> I'm on a train. Couldn't think of who else to call. I think there might be a ghost in here with his Alan. Then Alan, Alan would be interested. Then wouldn't he? Yeah, he definitely. would. Definitely. Yeah. You're gonna have to explain who Alan Robson Night Owls is because a lot of people who listen to this podcast are not going to know Taylor. So you're gonna have to give it. Alan up. Robson is a is a, a a veteran of the airwaves, isn't he, chaps? He's a well known uh, name in the northeast. He's had a show called Night Owls, which has run for an awful long time, and Alan's retiring. Uh, so best of luck to Alan Robson retiring from Night Owls. It's a, it's an amazing listen. I sometimes put it on on the way home from work on a night time on a weekend and. Let's say you get a lot of characters on there, don't you? But there we go. Uh, so remember, check out live on the Athletic app at 6 p.m. British summertime this Thursday, April 7th. I said April 6th earlier on, and it's the 5th today, so it must be the 7th on Thursday, April 7th at 6 p.m. on the Athletic app. Which is exactly six months since the takeover. That's excellent. Um, uh, yeah, you'll be able to talk to uh, myself, George, and Chris and ask us all kinds of silly questions if you are so inclined. Uh, right then, just before we move on, just a little bit of a reminder. At the minute, you can subscribe to The Athletic now and get your first six months at just £1 a month when you go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod, and you get full access to all the great writing and analysis as well as ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcasts. And as mentioned, you can participate fully in our live room. So make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Pod and sign up now for six months at just £1 a month. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Stuck in a toilet and you can't get out of it. God, I am so pleased this podcast is nearly over. Because you need a wee. <laughs> oh, it's easy for this to not happen, Chris. Just be better. You know what I mean? Just, just, just generally be better. He, I, I have to, I have to say, Chris did absolutely volunteer this as well. He put this on the on the app in his match day Q and A. That he was doing, he volunteered that, so I don't feel bad for this public shaming because he'd already shamed himself. Fair play, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, right then, Newcastle United are back in action on Friday night, and Wolverhampton Wanderers are the visitors to St James's Park in what promises to be an exciting, tempestuous affair under the lights. Uh, home sweet home. It's an important run of games at St James's Park now, George. And like we mentioned before, we've got three home games coming up and Newcastle United really need to start picking up some points. Yes, definitely. There needs to be, I hate using the word response because it sounds very uh, Steve Brucey, but um, but there does need to... Speaking of Steve Bruce, what about the away end, George? Haven't mentioned yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It was funny. Um, I uh, As I came out, well, it wasn't funny. I came out on uh, Sunday and there was there was a lot of long long faces i mean i stayed right till the end obviously and um was there when when the players came came to the far end of the pitch to applaud applaud the fans and then as i uh, as i trooped out um in the in the concourse at the away end they had um they've got loads and loads of tv screens and they were all all of them were showing sky sports news and steve bruce's face was on them, so Newcastle fans came out as they were coming out. There was Steve Bruce's <laughs> the first thing like, they saw. Oh no, it was quite funny, and you did hear people were going, "Oh for fuck's sake, oh god, just what we need, just what we want." Oh god's sake, oh, god. uh, dear. Um, yes, and I actually I did I wanted um, just very briefly I wanted to mention Denise and Nicola who came up to me. Uh, during the match, they came over at half time to say to say they listened to the podcast. They. Um, they they wanted to make a point about safe standing, which I've loved, which I loved. I mean, so there were there were there are big big areas of uh, Spurs which are safe standing. So they have the rails, um, sort of like Chelsea, and I really liked it. They were making the point that they couldn't see, they couldn't see anything, um, so they had a terrible view. Now I know oh, really? people stand up in away ends anyway, you know they're not supposed to, but they but they do anyway. So I'm, I don't know whether I don't know whether it would have made any difference for them uh on sunday but it was something to yeah it was something to think about that um actually for a lot of people if it's if there are you know purely standing areas in a in 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 an end it it's going to make the view worse for for some of them but anyway anyway i wanted to shout out and say hello to denise and nicola nice one chris this 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 set of games that are coming up starting with wolves like george says we need a response don't we but it's how do how do newcastle bounce back from this now is there going to be tactical changes do we see a personnel change or what is what is the way forward well they're not easy games i mean the, the fact that they've got wolves who are an informed team challenging for uh for european places they've even got leicester who've picked up a bit of form and then palace who've just obviously 
dismantled Arsenal three 0 So the three home games they're not they're not an easy easy win of fixtures by any stretch. But Newcastle's home form has been very good. Yeah, they've won each of the last three under how that they've done well at St James's Park. So that they'll be they'll be keen to get back there. The fans will really be behind them. Uh, another sellout and. Will there be tactical changes? I would suspect that that that, that Bruno Gimresh would come into to the eleven. So I think that that he will come in. I thought that he made a difference when he came on the pitch. I thought he was able to move the ball and give Newcastle a bit more progress going forward. He looked like he was trying to do things in possession. Yeah, I think there'll be a couple of players who may be dropped. I have a feeling that Javier Manquillo. I mean, he got pulled after the, the after the what happened with the first uh, the second goal, and I suspect yeah. that we'll see. Emil Kraft come back in, which may not be to everyone's necessary liking, but maybe gives them a bit more defensive solidity elsewhere. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how how will change it. Maybe he'll, he'll change system. I, I'm not entirely sure, but hopefully, Alan Sat Maximan will be more comfortable playing at St James's as well. He seems to have, yeah. particularly when Newcastle attacked the Gallagher in the second half. He seems to enjoy that second half of games. He seems to be better running downhill. Whether that's just because he prefers that, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah. don't know exactly what, but. So I think there's a lot more going in their favour because of this thing. Being back at St James is, is is important psychologically. I think the crowd will make a difference. But Wolves are a very very good team, and it will be a very very difficult match on Friday. And it'll be interesting to see if Howe has decided that he needs to change things up, or whether he still maintains faith in what was working before and just hopes that that, that, yeah. that the second half at Spurs was an aberration because they were poor at Everton but I think that was slightly different in the sense that it was after a long run of games they were tired that that too but to come back from the two week break and play like that for a game they've sort of focused on was it was a bit concerning so hopefully there will be uh, hopefully they'll be they'll be better far better than they were in that second half they can't be much worse let's be honest so yeah, um, George Chris Chris Wood still struggling up front for goals, but he does he does bring a certain something to the to the starting eleven. He's he's allowing Newcastle to play slightly higher and 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 putting a bit of pressure on the back line. But he's going to be judged on those goals, isn't he? Is is there going to be a point when Eddie Howe decides to hook him and and, and put in somebody else? I mean, we we are limited for options, aren't we? Well, I think that's the case. I mean, I think up until Sunday, I would have always I'd have defended him. Um, it's very difficult to defend him after Sunday. Didn't get a sniff, did no, he? No, it's very difficult to defend any of them after after Sunday um is you know his touch I don't think his touch is great um he has given he has given Newcastle an option I want to see them play with a striker so um you know they don't have many options with Callum Wilson uh, injured and clearly you know uh, you know I don't, I don't think D- Dwight Gale's going to get a game so I mean all I would say about Wood is that you know he was part of the team during that that run of games that they went unbeaten and so he has to take credit for that but yeah I mean that you know the goal he scored against Southampton has not been a springboard has it Um, and I thought I thought he was very poor I thought he was very very poor against Tottenham you know but but I don't really want to go back to the days with St Maximan Playing, playing through the middle, um, and as I say, I just don't think there are many options. I think, I think Saint Maximum has got a bit of a point to prove. There's, you know, we mentioned him last week. There is, there is, you know, there's a bit of sort of noise around him at the minute, and it's, you know, about whether he might be leaving, about whether Newcastle might accept a bid for him in the summer, that sort of stuff. And it would be good to see him getting a grip of a game in the way that we know he can. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, right, George, you've uh, got a little bit of information about the Newcastle uh, United Foundation as well, haven't you? Yes. So I was at the launch of Newcastle, which is spelled N-U-Castle, which is the new hub 
for the Newcastle United Foundation and um, it's an eight million pound building. It's absolutely beautiful. There are kind of very recognisable footballing facilities in it. There's a rooftop pitch and there are sports hall equipment, but it's also the hub for um, the foundation's community work. You know, they do amazing things in terms of uh, employment and education, um, social mobility, all sorts of stuff. And yeah, I went to the launch of the building and I had a quick chat with Sarah Medcalf, who was the deputy head of the foundation about the building opening. Newcastle has really been a project that's been five years in the making. It's been a real journey for the, for the Newcastle United Foundation, but also for the community. And we've really got the community involved in this centre to get their input into what they wanted to, to see um, activity-wise. So there will be a range of sports, health, educational programmes that will be delivered on this fabulous football pitch on the roof, in some of the educational digital facilities that we've got and in the sports hall. But I think for the region, uh, as I, I've mentioned uh, earlier in the event today, we can't do this alone. We can't bring about kind of societal change as the foundation. We have to do it in partnership. So we've uh, heard from a range of funders, partners, supporters today that have really helped us on this journey. And we're all, we all have the same mission. We want to build a united community. We want to bring about change. We want to improve outcomes for young people and other communities that we serve. And, and we're looking forward to the next five years. I mean, the foundation's been doing brilliant work in the, in the city for a long time now, but it becomes a bit easier to tell that story, doesn't it? When you have a base like this in which you you can sort of have classrooms in which you can people can play football and get together and things like that. Definitely. I think as, as a young person, if you can, um, as part of some education, go into one of our um, classrooms in the morning and do CV workshops and kind of build confidence and then play on this amazing football pitch where you have a view of St James's Park and do this physical activity in the, the confidence building, to have all of that under one roof is quite unique for the, uh, for the city. So yeah, we're looking forward to welcoming up to about 100,000 people every year to, to access those opportunities. I mean it's not all football stories that, that will be happening here every day but it's about the power of football and what football can do to sort of initiate change in people's lives and Newcastle fans should be very very proud of this shouldn't they? Yeah I think we we understand the power of, of football and the passion for football especially in the northeast and we know that with the young people that we work with, the fact that we have the Newcastle United brand to, to really engage them and get them interested in those initial programmes when they may have been on lots of different employability programmes but they just haven't felt like it's for them. But to be able to use that power of football to get them into a building like this but then really understand what their needs are, how they want to develop. So yes, it's the power that initially engages those young people but it's actually the work of the, our delivery team that is, is about really delivering those social outcomes. Fantastic stuff. An amazing facility they've got up there now, George, isn't it? It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And people can um people people can go and look at it. You can also you can book out the there's the sports hall spaces, you, so you can play football on the roof looking out across to St James's. But it is something that, that we, we should all be very, very proud of. I don't think uh, the foundation has has always been able to sort of tell its story brilliantly, uh, sort of particularly over the last decade under the previous regime because and it's very difficult for any part of the club to tell its story, but it's it's something that um, you know the the foundation does in, incredible work all the way across the region, having its own base like this that they can work. On. I mean, it won't stop them from from um, from doing stuff across the region, but having this base, I think, it sort of makes sense. It becomes easier to sort of describe what they do and how they do it. And um, yeah, we should all be very proud, very proud of them for what they've done, and it's a it's a fantastic home. For the charity 
Absolutely. Uh, we have to say congratulations to Becky Langley as well, the uh, the women's team gaffer, uh, for receiving a Manager of the Month award. Becky took to Twitter uh, to say, proud to receive this award on behalf of my dedicated team of staff and leaders that work incredibly hard behind the scenes. All our focus is now on Sunday and our four remaining league fixtures. Without a doubt, as a group of staff and players, we will be given everything on Sunday. Congratulations, Becky and the ladies as well. Chris, they're doing well at the minute, aren't they? They've put a few results together yeah and actually played their promotion rivals at the weekend drew 1-1 with Liverpool and so they are still in prime position to hopefully get that promotion slot so that they're doing very very well all building up to to that game at St James's at the start of next month so yeah wonderful wonderful for them at the minute should be a great occasion that and finally Chris wanted to send belated congratulations to the Canadian men's football team who have qualified for the World Cup Chris great story this may be but there's lots of teams headed for Qatar so why is this one particularly relevant to us Yes, I apologise that we didn't get this in the podcast last week. This was my oversight. But uh, John Herdman is the manager of the, of the Canadian uh, men's team and he's taken them their first World Cup since uh, 1986. He wow. is from Concert in County Durham Amazing. and is a big Newcastle United fan. But he's travelled the world. He's been in New Zealand. He's been uh, in North America managing men's and women's teams and done, done very, very well. I mean, they comfortably qualified. They finished above the USA in qualification up there. Uh, really has he's got some very good players I mean obviously the players in, now in Europe are buying Munich and the likes play for the Canadian national team but to, to have got them there he's done ex, he's done excellent work and now he's been rewarded with they're in Group F at the World Cup after Friday's draw with Belgium Croatia and Morocco so uh, best of luck to, tricky, to them in the, tricky in the, draw that yeah but best of luck to them when they, when it comes to comes to win the World Cup very, very well done and I'm sure David Edgar's delighted former Newcastle and Canada player absolutely yeah fantastic stuff right then just before we wrap up don't forget to join us live on the Athletic app at 6pm uh, on Thursday April 7th that's 6pm British summertime this Thursday April the 7th on the Athletic app for all kinds of shenanigans I'm sure it'll be completely plain sailing and nothing will go wrong whatsoever uh, thanks very much chaps for your time George make sure you hydrate yeah yes thank you go back yes, to bed my, um... Chris try not to get yourself locked in any other modes of transport this week uh, and hopefully we'll see you uh, I might see you on Friday at the, uh, the Wolves game I think you're going on yeah I've got a ticket myself yes we shall be there yes I think the whole trio are going so all pot on the time trio pod on the time trio excellent right then thanks very much for listening ladies and gents out there in podcast land we shall be back uh, next week and we shall be back on Thursday for that live room so uh, from all of us at pod on the time thank you very much and we shall speak to you soon bye bye we're caught in a trap <laughs> I can't walk out caught in a bog because I love you can- I'm, le- I'm leaving now I can't work out how to use the door. Don't you I'm caught in the bog. And I can't get out. I'd better ring someone to let me go. We're caught in the bog. Chris's furious little face. He is. His little face. Bless him. Sorry, Chris. You're not sorry, though, are you? No. No, not at all, no. <laughs>
lovely stuff. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.